Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glasser coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers fast break. Game source and inside sports fantasy football. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe follow or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the pop culture cosmos of course popculturecosmos.wordpress.com go ahead and check out what we're doing there and of course everything that we do on social media or on youtube please go ahead and check us out today because we've got great shows out there and a special thank you as always to the radio stations worldwide that play us right here at the pop culture cosmos well, as was explained to me, and also we agreed that a lot is not going on in the world of entertainment with the strikes right now, both the Writers Guild strike and, of course, with the Screen Actors Guild right there for you. Both the strikes look seem to be go- ongoing, but there's still so much to talk about in the world of entertainment. And, of course, when in doubt, always go back to the world of video games because we just got finished with the world fighting championships from evo and i remembered to go ahead and make sure everybody knows that the evo world fighting championships were bought out by playstation so they're controlled and operated by sony's playstation which is now playstation 5 and this generation along with the xbox series s and x are now almost three years in so where do we stand with these consoles plus the Nintendo Switch, which may have the biggest laugh of all, where does it stand with a new console? Because it is even longer, what, over seven years now, I believe. I will go ahead and verify that. But here today to talk about where we stand in this console generation is good man indeed. He always is a great man when he stops on by here. He's the GOAT of what we talk about here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is TJ Johnson. On the road again, like Willie Nelson, but he is here nonetheless. Good to have you here, my friend. Thank you, Double G. Uh, I, I, am, I am so not the GOAT, but I, I appreciate you saying that. But that is definitely, you must be talking about a different TJ. Because that ain't me, my man. But I'm glad well, to be here, brother. you said as well that we, at the very end of our show, we would talk about some of our favorite retro games of the 90s. But yes. then you're just assuming that I am that old who played <laughs> some of these games in the 90s. Oh, if you think that's an assumption, Gerald, I got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, my friend. But we are, I guess, I don't want to say we're closing in on the halfway mark on the current console generation between the Xbox and PlayStation, but we are getting close to it. And it is six years, over six, almost six and a half years for the Nintendo Switch. Mm. So let's start off with the PlayStation because okay. we always talk about the Xbox. Lately, we've been talking about, obviously, the legal troubles that they had and trying to go ahead and get their purchase of Activision Blizzard through. 
after the major decision that was uh, done here recently in regards to the trial versus them versus the FCC, and it really just came out the way of Xbox. We know what's going to go on there, but we'll talk more about Xbox here in a little bit because they're not out of the woods yet. They still got some things that have to happen. Plus, they need to go ahead and have some decisions made on their future as well. But let's talk about PlayStation first off. They are, I guess you could say, the losers out of all this with regards to that Activision Blizzard purchase. But it's not like they were going to go ahead and purchase Activision Blizzard. They were just worried about Call of Duty and the control going forward of how that was going to be dealt. Well, PlayStation users can take a sigh of relief that they will have a, you know, at least for the next decade, at least some semblance of Call of Duty on their consoles. Whether or not they have more Activision Blizzard content or Bethesda content, it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. But that shouldn't stop PlayStation at all because they have a plethora of games that still are going to be coming out in the not-too-distant futures. Obviously, Spider-Man 2. There's more games, obviously, on the way. Uh, Talking about the Last of Us multiplayer game. There's probably more stuff that's coming on the way with another God of War and, and, uh, you know, just other facets of the realm. PlayStation has, even though I think even them has underwhelmed in this generation with providing you enough good games, they have still substantially marketed themselves with better first party games than the Xbox to this point in time. Absolutely. I would uh, 100% agree with 90% of what you said. The one thing that I won't agree with is I, I think PlayStation did actually lose pretty, pretty hard. Uh, I know that ultimately they were just worried about Call of Duty. But from a PR perspective, I think PlayStation looks terrible. I think Jim Ryan um, really did not do PlayStation and PlayStation fans any service by, by having this be such a public complain fest, cry fest, whatever, whatever synonym you want to use to describe it. But PlayStation did not come out looking better because of this by no. by any stretch. They didn't come out looking even even as far as I'm concerned. I think they came out looking very, very bad from a PR standpoint. Now ultimately they're in the business of selling stuff and people are still gonna buy PlayStation based off of the name recognition alone. Um I think that based on just that, PlayStation's gonna be around and they're gonna continue to outsell Microsoft and it's just it, it kind of is gonna be what it is. Microsoft is always gonna be kind of running in third. Um if we're looking at a console sales point perspective, uh, but like make no make no mistake about it, Sony's PR team is going to be having to do double time to try to fix right this ship in regards to what the consumers are saying about Sony. Because even still, I have a very hard time purchasing anything Sony right. Now. I just I just don't like the idea of supporting that. But that's neither here nor there. As we talk about Sony and what they look like in the future. I think we have to do it in a couple different ways. We have to look at one, as far as their software lineup, which we already know Sony's first party lineup is second to maybe Nintendo's. And that's maybe second to Nintendo's. I think Nintendo's is always going to have, because of the nostalgia and because of how long they've been in the game, the best first party lineup whenever they come out. The Mario Brothers, the Smash Brothers, the the Samus, the Metroids, uh, the Adventures of Link and Zelda. I mean, they all, all those first party titles are things that resonate with not just gamers now but gamers back in the day and so nintendo's always gonna have the best first party lineup as far as i'm concerned but sony's right behind them and that's not going to change um considering the fact that they're still 
housing uh, the, the the team that does Spider-Man. They have Spider-Man 2 coming on deck. They've got Wolverine coming on deck right behind that. Um, as you mentioned, there's definitely going to be The Last of Us multiplayer coming out. Also, The Last of Us 3, whenever it happens, because I'm with the HBO show being as huge of a hit as it is, there's no way they're gonna they're not going to milk that cash cow. So I don't see that train stopping anytime soon. It doesn't mean it's definitive, no. But I'd be hard-pressed to believe that they're not at least throwing these storyboard ideas around in regards to what The Last of Us 3 would look like and how that story uh, ends up uh, going forward. So from a software standpoint, uh, I don't see any reason to be concerned as far as I'm, if I'm PlayStation. From a hardware perspective, I know that there's a lot of rumbling on this next generation or this this gen update of the PlayStation 5 and if it's actually going to be a hardware update or if it's just going to be a, a, a more efficient running PlayStation 5, uh, so on and so forth. And I think when we look at this generation and their mid-cycle upgrade, we really need to be very cautious. And I'm saying we as um, as if I'm a game developer, a game software, a game hardware developer, but I think they need to be very, very conscientious of the fact that it took a long time for yeah. both Xbox and Sony consoles. It took a lot of gamers. There are still gamers who don't have a PS5. There are still gamers who are struggling to get a Series X. Um, and while these are becoming much more readily available and there are much more avenues to get them now, people are still having... Everybody doesn't have it that, that that's one at one yet. So when you start looking at things like that and start looking at the economy and where we are, um, if we're on the verge of a recession, if we're not on the verge of a recession, whatever the case may be, I think manufacturers, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, whomever, need to be very, very conscious of where we are right now, the economical climate that we're in. And if this cycle of upgrade really is warranted, considering that, yes, we're three years into both the life cycles of the Xbox and the PlayStation, but let's be fair, well, I will say when it comes to PlayStation 5, the numbers, as far as even with the loss of, of not being able to produce as many due to the pandemic and whatnot, uh, they're still very comparable to the record sales of the PlayStation 4. Do I ultimately think that the PlayStation 5 will outsell the PlayStation 4? I still think there's a possibility. Maybe the the fact that they weren't able to get off to the best of uh, starts they got off to a good start under the circumstances obviously the fact that the playstation 5 was so hot of an item of an individual thing that you needed to go ahead and get in the limited quantities that it has will probably dictate that it's still very popular even to this day and right now as you're hearing this if you are hearing this there's actually opportunities to get the playstation 5 even under the MSRP, whether being sold at even $50 less here in the States, what they're normally being sold at. So that's a good sign that they're trying to increase sales. They're trying to go ahead and, and outdo the PlayStation 4 sales that they once did. They're still, as of this time that we're speaking, the leader in the clubhouse right now for this year on overall sales. Nintendo Switch, even with its declining sales year over year, because it is going on the back end of its console history for this current generation that it has, I think that the Nintendo Switch is not too far behind, but Xbox does pale as they've admitted on to the public out there that it is number three. But when it comes to the PlayStation 5, it has been reported that they are not above the PlayStation 4 sales due to what they had experienced in the past, but 
that doesn't mean that they can't ultimately outsell the PlayStation 4 going forward. Yeah, it, it can definitely happen. And I think what needs to really be the driving point of that is making sure that the availability is there. Um, the, the chip shortage was a big part of it as well. Um, and just manufacturing. Again, we're, we're, we're just now really getting back into the flow of life. And Sony and all these other companies, corporations are no different. Uh, so the pandemic really had shut down a lot. But now that we're starting to come, now that we're coming out of it and getting back to, you know, the quote unquote new normal. I know people hate to use that term, but the quote unquote new normal of life again. Um, we should start to see those issues continue to dissipate and things start to ramp back up at the pace that they need to ramp back up to get back to where we uh, are or were expecting to be uh, at this point pre-COVID. So. Yeah, there's still a ways to go for it to outdistance the PlayStation 4. Oh, yeah. I think it's 50-50 right now if it ultimately does. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, my friend, because, again, I think that they will try to stretch this console lifespan out a little more because of what they couldn't produce right. early on because of the right. pandemic. But I don't know if there will be the kind of reception on the back end that the PlayStation 4 got in its last three, four years of useful console sales. I, I understand the PlayStation 4 is even still being sold today, but yes. in the it, the height of the PlayStation 4 in its sales, I think probably will go ahead and in the long run. If I had to say one way or the other, I'd probably say the PlayStation 4 will ultimately still outsell the PlayStation 5, but if it does happen the other way around, I wouldn't be totally surprised. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think that they just didn't have a good enough starting. They didn't have a good enough starting point. I think had we not had COVID-19 and had we not had the, the pandemic, we might be having a different conversation. It's just the nature of life and things happening that are unexpected. And because of that, I, I do think that they're at a disadvantage and that they won't hit those sales. But you never know. Uh, obviously, uh, time will tell. Time will tell. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. It is, of course, TJ Johnson right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the PC Multiverse. Thanks so much for watching and listening. When it comes to PlayStation, though, my friend, and you talk about what their future is like. We talked about how, even though if they don't meet up to the PlayStation 4 sales overall lifespan, is still, I think, going to be very strong. Still going to be number one for quite a long time because of the first party sales that drive it until Nintendo Switch comes out with a new console in and of itself. Exactly. I think that how will the bad publicity do you think do you think it will actually affect it long term as far as you said it's you know they lost a lot of face they lost a lot of pr but we still are predicting that they're going to do very well over the lifespan does it leave an open door for the xbox to come right through and be more comparable in sales to the playstation 5 or do you think that the this generation is already over and done with yeah no joe i think if you if you top if you add on to the fact the, the pandemic on top of what Xbox is already uh, going through that I don't see them for t uh, overtaking Sony. And as I've talked about ad nauseum, and I know we've talked about it 
at lane two a couple times. I don't think that that's their 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 point anymore. I think they're they've made it very publicly known that they're in third place. Um, they don't have a problem admitting that now. They don't have a problem with that being their their you know their their identity. They they are in third place and they're okay with it. Um, but again, Microsoft's future, and I know we haven't started talking about Microsoft yet, but their future is going to be much more heavily based on software. Their future is going to be much more heavily based on digital distribution. Their future is going to be much more heavily based on uh, being consumer-friendly console as opposed to PlayStation kind of being more of the uh, aggressive PR nightmare console that it has been for uh, over this Activision acquisition. So um, I don't, to be honest, I don't see the PR nightmare being as bad for sales from a simple standpoint of people are going to still, it's, it's brand loyalty. People are going to buy a Sony PlayStation because it's the cool thing to do. I mean, I know the majority of my friends that are, are still gaming, their console choice is PlayStation just because that's what, that's what they grew up playing. So that's their kind of go-to console. And, and it's just based off of name recognition that Microsoft console has always been the, the more powerful console of the group. Um, however, the name recognition is what's really going to sell it. And Sony PlayStation has such a, a foothold on that, that branding of being the console that people want to play, the console people want to play, that it's, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to make a difference, unfortunately. But where Xbox can make a difference and once again, I'm on with TJ Johnson talking about the future for the video game console market is in its reliance, like you talk about, on digital distribution. You say that's where the future will lie because the yes. fact that with the Xbox Games Pass, despite the fact they splintered it off and made it a little bit more confusing to the consumer with their decisions last month in regards to getting rid of Xbox games with gold and branching it off into a PC, a console only, and then uh, two different versions of the Xbox Games Pass. Again, a little bit more confusing for the customer, not exactly thrilled with it, but the top tier Xbox Games with Gold is really what they want to direct you to going forward. And with that's the case, obviously that becomes a more subscription-based and subscription-reliant programming that they hope to catapult not to just Xbox consoles, but to be able to put that on smart televisions, mobile phones, you name it, that they could try to put their, uh, you know, access, that people can have access to it. That's their future that they're looking for. That's the way that they're trying to go ahead and say, okay, we may be number three in console sales, but ultimately when it comes to software and digital distribution, we'll be so far ahead of these guys on a subscription basis that it won't really matter. And, and, Joe, that's that's 100% accurate to the point where Microsoft is going to be in your household, whether you own a Microsoft console or not. Something in your household is going to have Microsoft's name on it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the Xbox brand is Microsoft. And if Microsoft can still find a way to have their name on something in your household, be it a software, be it software item, uh, be it the Xbox Game Pass for PC, uh, be it uh, an Activision title that's being sold on the PlayStation or the Nintendo uh, console of choice, whatever the case may be, something is going to continue to have the Microsoft name on it in your household in regards to video games and digital media distribution. So I absolutely foresee Microsoft banking on the fact that 
they've already kind of gotten ahead of this digital distribution race, uh, which is truthfully the the next generation or the next the next big fight to be had, if you will. Well, again, it just all is about looking at different options. Yes, uh, from a council standpoint, they've admitted that they're they're far behind on that realm, but that doesn't mean that they have to give up on other aspects. And and the Xbox Games Pass, which the top tier is the best value in gaming, in my opinion. I've said that yes. on several occasions, and will continue yes. to say that. I don't think PlayStation has, you know, or Nintendo has any inkling of trying to provide that same type of value for consumers. So, with that, Microsoft can go ahead and see if they can platform this subscription base, and and really try to make the most of it going forward. And that's going to probably define them the rest of this generation for them. Oh, that'll define them for this generation and the, the generations to come. Uh, I truly do believe that the next couple console generations, we might still have a disc add-on, but I can absolutely see the next console generation being exclusively digital-based um, from the standpoint of, you know, they might allow you to have a disc drive add-on at some point, almost like the the Xbox 360 did with the, the now defunct HD DVD formatted system. I can see them doing something like that, but I can also very, very easily see them going with an all digital distribution system uh, moving forward uh, due to the simple fact that that's just that's that's kind of just the way the world is going. And you have your traditionalists who enjoy having a disc. I'm one of them, but I'm also uh, one of them who has also enjoyed the uh, convenience of having my catalog digitally uh, presented to me and being able to pick through that catalog versus physically going to change out a disc. I know we're talking about taking a few a few less steps, but when you have the option to click on it versus getting up and swapping it out and you don't have to have a, a physical space to hold all those cases. And, you know, my wife couldn't stand when we first got married. I had games and games and games in the living room. And she was like, yeah, so all that stuff's got to go into a different room. We're not going to have that sitting in the living room. And we had a good argument about it. But um, the point being is that after a while, it, it's keeping those physical discs is just not, for a lot of people, it's just not uh, not consumer friendly. They're, they're wanting to go more into the digital realm. And I can see consoles absolutely taking that route, uh, next generation and, moving and beyond. Well, when it comes to that, though, the Xbox is, I think, of the three, the most volatile of all three of these publishers, of, of these manufacturers, because of these, the fact that they could, you know, their future is so all over the place. We talked about PlayStation and the titles that are upcoming for them, the reliance on IPs that have been very solid, very good for them from both an aesthetic and also a sales point, which actually keep the PlayStation 5 out in front as far as the console race is concerned. But when it comes to Xbox, with Starfield on, in the not-too-distant future, and the fact that they most likely, although it's not definitive as of yet, again, in Europe, they still have to clear a couple things out before this Bethesda, you know, excuse me, Blizzard Activision sale goes through they do have the Bethesda in their library. They do have other game makers now in their library. They've now been there for a few while. Uh, they've now been there for a while. So it's now a, a very apparent that they have to start building good games. There's no more excuses like Redfall earlier this year, which was an absolutely terrible game. Going forward, they have to start creating games and experiences that can lead to successful IPs going forward. 
absolutely agree. Um, I will say that Redfall was not a terrible game. It was a terrible game from a sales standpoint, yes. But if you actually play Redfall, it's actually a lot of fun. Um, I know I might be in the minority in saying that, but I, I, I don't agree. I think Redfall is actually a pretty decent game. It just wasn't hoping the next okay. big title for Microsoft. Um, anyways, in the spirit of that, I absolutely agree with everything else, though. Um, and I do believe that if we if we look at where Microsoft is going and we look at where Sony is and we look at what Microsoft has been doing a portfolio of, of software development teams, they are going to absolutely be the console to have if you want to play an RPG, um, if you want to have that fantasy experience. You're not going to want to go anywhere but a Microsoft console. I mean, considering the fact they're going to have Bethesda, they have Bethesda, so... Elder Scrolls 6, they've already said they've been working on, but they're not going to start diving into more until after Starfield. So you've already got Starfield. You're going to have Elder Scrolls. You're going to have, you know, if the Activision Blizzard deal goes through, you're going to have that suite as well. So Microsoft is going to be the definitive console to have if you're going to want to experience a certain type of gameplay. And I think one of the big things about the console, quote-unquote console wars from back in the day, if you will, is that you had console wars that were kind of defined yet consoles that were kind of defined by the games that came out on them so playstation was an action adventure console nintendo was a family console microsoft was a shooter console that's how i knew microsoft back in the day so the original xbox everybody wanted to play halo everybody wanted to play halo 2 and then 360 came out they wanted to play halo 3 perfect dark zero um the shooters always were kind of definitive of microsoft i think if we look into the future Microsoft consoles are going to be much more predicated on role-playing, fantasy elements. And obviously, I'm, I'm not, you know, PlayStation kind of be whatever that they want to be, considering the fact that they're so far out ahead, it really doesn't matter. But they're setting themselves up to be, to be a very strong player in that contention moving forward. And even when kind of having such these, these big public wins in regards to even spending more time talking with the creators of Final Fantasy and how they're looking forward to working together in the future... Uh, one of the big things has been that's been a big sticking point. I know for me personally is the fact that Final Fantasy VII was not released on the Xbox uh, Series X, S, or uh, the One, and this last Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy XVI, was not released on the Xbox Series S, X, uh, which were all very frustrating from a Final Fantasy fan perspective, and wanted to be able to experience that. But again, that's that's what the console wars is, and I understand that that's the nature of the business. However. Square Enix is not a PlayStation-only consumer, or is not a, a PlayStation-only developer. So, when you start doing things, if you're not a PlayStation developer or a console-specific developer, by excluding console consoles from your 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 potential sales, it seems to be shooting yourself in the foot. So, I appreciate that Microsoft has now put themselves in a position to appeal to those kind of gamers as well, especially the uh, the Eastern audience who has not really gravitated more towards the Microsoft console who's been much more more, uh, PlayStation focused, Nintendo focused and hasn't really grasped or gravitated towards the Microsoft platform it's exciting to see that Microsoft is still not giving up on trying to get that consumer, trying to get those uh, those people to enjoy a Microsoft console as well and the experiences that they're going to be bringing to that console is really going to help push that moving forward into the future Thanks for checking out the PCC you know, the pop culture cosmos We'll be back in one moment. 
Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Once again, it is TJ Johnson. He is here talking the future of the console generation. Uh, we've talked a lot about PlayStation. We've talked a lot about what we've seen with Xbox and definitely want to go ahead and talk a little bit more about what's going on with the console manufacturers going forward. But I would be remiss if we did not talk and give plenty of time for Nintendo, which is something we don't always do enough, which we kind of always take for granted, you know. They'll sell 100 million units uh, if it's hot. If it's not, then you could be go the way of the GameCube or the Wii U. It, it seems to be that's the way it works with each generation. It's like every other generation really hits for Nintendo. And we're currently in a situation with a Nintendo Switch that has been released that has really been a success for them. Over 100 million units. Again, they don't want to be part of the bickering between Xbox and PlayStation. They just go under the radar, low-key, throw out a Mario game, throw out a Zelda game each and every year. Everybody seems to be happy going forward. But now, again, as I mentioned earlier, we're six and a half years in on this Nintendo Switch generation, which has proved to be very lucrative, been proven to be very profitable for the company. But as we start to go ahead and realize that maybe the Switch is getting a little long in the tooth, we're hearing more and more rumors about next year on the horizon being a new start for a new Switch Pro, Switch 2, or something switchy that's new and fancy and powered up coming up in 2024. You know, I'd be... I, I am... I'd be remiss if I didn't say one of that was a very good play on words, by the way. I seen what you did there. Switchy switch two and switch something new. That was great. Mm-hmm. That was that was that was top tier stuff. This is top tier Gerald Glassford, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not noticed. Um, but in regards to Nintendo, I think what they've come to realize is that it's not about the hardware. And in them realizing it's not about the hardware, the traditional, uh, the traditional aspect of how long a console generation should or shouldn't last really doesn't apply to Nintendo. And what I mean by that is because they understand, they seem to get this idea that games, um, especially games on their platform, are much more about the experience, about the storytelling, about the way it makes you feel, about enjoying being in that moment, them not focusing on console graphics and how much more powerful their console is versus the other consoles, so on and so forth. They've been able to state their claim as the console that's really just worried about telling, playing a great game, telling a great story, and uh, having a great overall experience with their console. Uh, so I say that to say, yes, I've heard the, the rumblings of the Switch 2, Switch New, whatever it is that you want to refer to it as, or, or whatever their code name they're going to give it on this particular day. Um, but I don't think, and you know, again, this is just me, my perception on it, I don't foresee them being super, super worried about it because ultimately, as long as they're putting out great games, you could run the Switch for another three years if, or another few years if you wanted to because people are still going to play the Nintendo Switch game if they come out for it. I mean, people would still be playing Wii titles if we didn't uh, obviously kind of have a big graphical leap into the future. The Wii was such a huge thing for Nintendo. 
they they didn't have to let that go for a while. Even with the Wii U came out, people were still playing the Wii. So yes, there's there's rumblings for a new console, but I don't think Nintendo was in any way, shape, or form pressured into pulling out this console, uh, pulling away from the Nintendo Switch anytime soon. Because truth be told, the games that are coming out for it and the games that people are still playing on them. Uh, they're still having a ton of fun. They're still enjoying it. They're still creating buzz. They're still creating sales. I mean, Tears of the Kingdom is easily in the running for Game of the Year. Easily. And I don't even know if there's going to be anything that can really top Tears of the Kingdom. And I didn't even, I haven't played it myself, but I just, I know how intense that that fan base is. And I know how wonderful of a sell it was for Nintendo. Um, so when I ultimately do play it, I, I, I get it. But they're they're not... I don't believe that they're really focused on console sales. I don't believe that they're really held laden to traditional console generation um, longevity. I think they, they have the ability to milk this thing as long as they choose to um, because of the, the type of games that they put out and the, the overall focus on the experience and not so much the graphical powerhouse uh, that most of these other consoles are looking to provide. For me, I think it's something with Nintendo that there is a a good future going forward. Obviously, their Tears of the Kingdom has been nothing but a great seller for them. It will most likely be one of the top three selling games of the year, uh, without question. Uh, it could very well beat the Call of Duties of the world for it the number one spot this year. I think going forward, there again the the formula has worked. Throw in a Pokemon. Yes. Throw in yes. a, a Zelda, throw in at a Zelda, and throw in a Mario. Throw in, yeah. just, yeah. just mix it up. As long as you just go ahead and mixing up and, and alternate, you throw in a Metroid, which isn't as quite as beloved. You throw, you throw in a Splatoon, you throw in a Pikmin here and there, like Pikmin 4. You throw in those, those little little breadcrumbs at gamers out there, but you give them the big stuff at once every year or twice every year, and I think you're doing just fine with them. Uh, they've yep. got a formula. If it's if yep. it's not broken, why fix it? Why fix it? Exactly, exactly. They, there's there's no inclination that they need to break that formula because it's still working. And as you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know you're going to get your Mario. You know you're going to get a Zelda. You know you're going to get a, a Pokemon something. You know you're going to get a Pikmin, like you said. There are certain titles that you know, you know, defaultly you're going to receive some type of game for on the console that's on, on your Nintendo console. So it's just, again, I, I really, and I, I agree with you, I think they're can they begin a little long in the tooth? Absolutely, but there's also a reason that they're that they're still at the at the top of their game because they have a formula that they've stuck to and it's been working and it's continuing to work. And I don't see a reason to deviate. You know, as as somebody used to play basketball, if I if I'm always giving you one move and you're like, well, you can't do anything else. Well, if you can't stop the one move I'm giving you, you know, if Jordan had the fadeaway. You can't stop the fadeaway, so why do I need to do anything else? If you can't stop this move that I'm giving you now, there's zero reason for me to continue showing you anything else because you can't stop the one I gave you. So if it ain't broke, man, why fix it? I agree wholeheartedly. So their future, I think, will just be a lot of been there, done that, but getting a little bit better. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to have to have a nice powered-up system. That's the thing. They've never really been challenged to do something as far as high-end fidelity they've never needed something that's high that produces high-end fidelity 
they've been more of let's throw something out of left field. Let's throw yep. something out there like when it works, motion, yep. motion gaming worked for them huge with with the Wii, and then even though the Wii U again did not perform well at all, they came back with the portability of the Switch. Yep. And that that concept, uh, which people really have grown to, and and where the hybrid of a handheld slash uh, regular home console really came together, so much so that I think it's probably ruined or damaged the that and the of course the smartphone have ruined or damaged or crippled or destroyed the handheld gaming market going forward as far as from a traditional handheld gaming standpoint i don't yeah. think you'll you I, I it's going to be hard for me to see a new handheld gaming station we have with its own separate library of games ever coming out again and being successful to the oh, point yeah. where it once was with with nintendo's previous handhelds yeah no i don't ever see it going back to i mean and then even when you start looking at things like the 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 uh, steam deck and how these other handheld things are starting to come out, but they're all still based off PC games. You're not going to have another company that comes in that has their own way of doing it. It's, 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 it's ruined. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. I don't ever see another competitor coming up and, and really dominating that, that market share or that marketplace um, anymore moving forward. And that's all thanks to the switch. And even though the Wii U was not a success from a, uh, from a, a sales standpoint, and people always kind of dog the Wii U. If you will. I mean, there are still a lot of great aspects of the Wii U that are used now in the Nintendo Switch. Having that second screen, or having that screen, and having that portability, that started with the Wii U. Now, granted, it was considered more of a second screen until um, some of the games could be ran off of there, but it was still it was still kind of a, a way into the future, or a look into the future, if you will, on how that they would continue to to to, to do software moving forward, so or doing hardware moving forward, so. Like like we talked about, Nintendo's always been about the experience. They've always been about you having fun while playing their game, as opposed to worrying about fidelity. And if you're getting, you know, 4K, 120p uh, frame rates, and they they're they're not concerned with that. No, no, they're not. Uh, so for Nintendo, my friend, again, it just looks like it's going to be whatever they come out with next year, whether it's a a slightly improved version of the switch or if it's something totally revolutionary or you know it's it will probably be something that's still going to sell a lot or at least add on to the sales of the switch at the very least agree 100 once again it is tj johnson here for us right here at the pop culture cosmos but i would be remiss before we go ahead and talk about our retro games of the 90s that we love so much <laughs> just try to wrap this up in a nice tidy little bowl about the console market going forward i mean it's a different concept than if you and i let's say had talked 10 years ago about the okay. subject i think i would probably be a lot brighter on the console gaming market going forward because we were still very much hardware based we were yep. still very much physically physical disc based yes. you know universe with all three of those manufacturers now going forward like you talked about it's the digital domain like you talked about going forward it's about not necessarily selling consoles it's selling subscriptions in the case of xbox with nintendo and with with sony it's still primarily hardware driven hopefully physically driven but still 
there's a growing, growing dependence on the digital downloading as far as for games and consumers out there. In fact, more games are downloaded more than actual physical hard copies bought in a lot of cases. So your thoughts on where we go from here for this console generation going forward or where we go with, with as far as console gaming. I mean, so many people have thought about, you know, taught the theory that by the end of the decade, we won't need any consoles at all. Yeah, I don't know if I subscribe to that quite yet. I still think consoles for, I know for me personally, are still my preferred way of playing a game. I mean, I don't have a gaming PC, um, so I don't have the opportunity of playing games like that. I have a Steam Deck. That's about as close to a gaming PC as I'm going to get, um, just because the, the, the price tag on those is outrageous for me. I know that they you know, can last you a while, and you, know, you can be playing on these fantastic setups and et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a market that I just, I don't know if I want to get to. I want to buy it, get it out the box and it works. I don't want to have to tinker with it. I've, I've done that in the past and I just don't feel like doing it anymore. So for me, I, I, I'm hopeful that the consoles will continue to produce, but we also have to be real and understand, you know, where we are as um, an economy, we're getting much more digitally based. I mean, you're looking at brick and mortar stores that aren't, aren't performing the way they used to and are not, are not going to be around in the same fashion or format that we've experienced in, you know, even, you know, 10 years ago. So a lot's changed in a very, very short amount of time. And there is no stopping the wheel. You know, you don't, you, you can't stop the, the wheel of change and the wheel of time. And there's no going backwards. So I recognize the fact that console sales, as we know it, are not going to be what they were. And we have to, kind of brace ourselves for the fact that that's not going to be the way they were. It doesn't mean that they're going to give up on consoles. I still think consoles are a huge part of the gaming niche, if you will. And what we as gamers, uh, as console gamers, obviously, are looking for, we're looking for the next great graphical powerhouse. As long as they can keep finding a way to update the graphics and make them even more lifelike, which I, I don't know how much more you're going to be able to get out of them um, without almost having a realistic um, I just I don't see the consoles selling the way they used to really ever moving forward because it's just not that's just not where we are as a people anymore. This is not where we are as a as a, a uh, socioeconomical or just economical based uh, consumers. We're just not there now. We're getting more digital and it's much more um, going to be about what's distributed from that platform versus an actual physical console anymore. Like I said, like we talked about, Microsoft has already figured out a way to get into televisions with the Xbox Game Pass um, without you having to actually have a Microsoft console in your home. Look at Amazon and their Luna subscription. You don't have to have a console in your home now. You just have to have a, Luna, a subscription to Luna and a subscription to Amazon Prime, and you're you're good to go. So it's it's coming. It's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when it gets there, and it's absolutely going to have an effect on console sales moving forward. And that's something I, I want to finish off this conversation by. That doesn't mean that we're trying to be down on the console industry as a whole, but as Absolutely. new technologies are coming the way, the video game industry has to adapt to it. And I think yes. that for the most part that they are adapting to it quite nicely. Yeah, absolutely. I think Microsoft has been leading the way in that regards, and I think they're going to continue to lead the way, which is why Microsoft is okay positioning themselves as a third best selling con as a third uh, selling console 
they're okay with that because truth be told, they've been positioning themselves for years um, on this digital distribution marketplace, even to the point where they had their Xbox back in the Xbox One being a digital uh, thing where you had to always be connected to the console. Microsoft has seen this writing on the wall for a long time. Their execution was was poor, to say the least, in regards to that. But it doesn't mean that they didn't see the forest for the trees. They knew this was coming. Um, they could see the digital distribution landscape for what it was becoming and recognize that, hey, this is going to be a thing moving forward. They started to take micro uh, aggressions in regards to uh, figuring this out. So, no, that's not us getting down on the, the consoles in and of themselves. I love the consoles, but the truth of the matter is... Um, the way things are being distributed now, the the necessity for a new console is not what it used to be. And I don't know if it'll ever get back to that point. Well, my friend, I still have plenty of hope for the future for video games and the console marketplace. I, I think that there still is ways for them to expand into different realms. Like we've talked about digital formats and we've talked about the reliance on, on digital downloading, the cloud, which is still not even very much talked about, or, you know, it was actually talked about during the, the court cases, but when the truth of the matter is it's still not being utilized yet by a great part of the audience, that's the last region, that's the last realm as of now with our technology that we have. I think that's the last area of technology that has yet to be explored by the average gamer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and when that when we start really utilizing the cloud for for what it can be um i think that it's even going to have a bigger a much more impact on the console generations and um, how we look at console sales and what console sales look like in the future so uh we're just we're just scraping the surface and i can already tell you that it's the 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 console gaming that we know it is no longer here um and that's that's something that you know us old heads if you will um have to come to the, to the realization of the way we used to game is, is it's over the, the way that we used to uh, consume that that media it's it's not there anymore so if you're going to continue to be a console gamer if you're going to continue to be uh part of that 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 sh- whatever you want to call it you're going to have to evolve with it or, or you're going to get left behind so it's one of those things we have to we have to we have no choice but to embrace it uh because it's coming whether we want it or not You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. But there's also, before we head on out, a chance that we can embrace the past of video gaming, as you mentioned before we went on the air we are getting of... classic gerald here man that's another great segue yes Gosh, uh, something something we don't do often <laughs> enough because you know we deal with the the cure and now and what's going on in the near future for everybody out there to give them latest and greatest information but 
every now and then i like to go ahead and little go a little old school because i am not as young as i once but instead of looking at it as a negative i can look at that as a positive as you asked for in, in regards to some of your great memories of days gone by of, of yes. gaming Yes. And while the 80s was really a great ga uh, gaming as far as experiencing everything new for me, as far as from, oh, okay, the Pac-Mans, the Galaxians, the Space Invaders, the all the different things of the, the 80s as far as the games that came out that defined that generation I was experiencing firsthand, the arcade generation was booming by the end you know middle part of that decade even as the console generation the first console generation died and had to be reborn again during the early part of that that decade i still think again for me it was a great time the 90s was more as i was becoming more you know i was starting in my 20 you know getting into my 20s at that point in time so i had a little bit of uh, other things on my mind not all the time devoted to gaming but i still got my gaming fix in when i could so you asked for the top games of the 1990s that you played and you experienced from both myself and yourself. So as the guy who brought the subject up, I think it's only <laughs> fitting that you should initiate everyone out there on your thoughts on the best games that you played in the 1990s. Ooh, okay. So my first, if I, and this is going to be in no particular order. This is not the for me, I can't I can't quantify this as this was the best and then this was the best. I can give you my top five games of the 90s and then, you know, however they fall is how they fall. You can almost interchange each one. So I think for me, uh, video game movie adaptations of video games was a big thing in the 90s. You had the Toy Stories. You had the Lion Kings. You had the Aladdins of the world. So for me, uh, one of my favorite games still to this very day is Aladdin. Um, I, I, I can never forget uh, the cheat codes uh, to get the level select and the music and just being part of that world, no pun intended, uh, was just a lot of fun. So uh, Aladdin was a big one for me from a Super Nintendo standpoint. Uh, I was a huge Killer Instinct fan, so that's what really got me going with Killer Instinct. So on the Super Nintendo, playing the original Killer Instinct, on the Nintendo 64, getting into the KI Gold, uh, huge, huge fans of both of those games uh, really uh, kind of got me into the fighting game genre, if you will. Next one is going to be, I guess it's still kind of considered a fighting game, but uh, you can also be looking at WW at the time, WWF, but WWF No Mercy was huge. The customization was huge uh, using that formula, the IQ formula, uh, as far as uh, the wrestling, grappling wrestling is concerned, was such a big deal. And they had been it had been done so well in games prior to the NW, uh, WCW, NWO Revenge, uh, all use that same system, but it was just perfected with no mercy. You had WW, you had WWF uh, 2000 or WrestleMania 2000 before that, uh, but no mercy really kind of took it in and just just amplified it the way the Attitude Era amplified everything else. So uh, no mercy was a huge one for me. I also, I got to give props, man. I, I, I'll never forget playing NBA Jam, in the arcade and playing it on my console at home, hearing on fire, seeing these guys, it took me to a place that I just hadn't expected to go. And so that, I think that was, that was number four for me. Uh, so number five, and this one, I don't know if this is going to really count because it's not going to be console. It's arcade. Uh, but number five for me was playing the Simpsons arcade game. 
the Simpsons arcade where you had all four of them. Oh, I'm sorry, you can interchange that with the Simpsons or the Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. Either one, you, you, you can really interchange them, or you can even interchange them with the X-Men as well. God, that was a lot, man, that, that four-player co-op arcade experience. So let's, let's put it that way. The four-player co-op arcade experience was such a huge thing as well uh, because you really did get to, for me, it was the first time I got to really experience when you got four guys on there and you guys are just having fun being the X-Men, being the Turtles, playing the Simpsons characters. It just, that was like 90s nostalgia, uh, being able to have pizza and then go right to the arcade and play the game. It was, it was what a time to be alive. I, I feel bad that the generation that we have now, we'll never get to experience, well, not never, but won't get to experience how awesome that was on a consistent basis, being able to get up together with your friends and have pizza, have have a have a coke and being able to play those games in the arcade and, and spend hours hours playing those games to the point where you have to be peeled off the sticks uh, it's just so much fun um so those are my top gaming experiences i should say uh, of the 90s for me so i'm i'm curious now gerald what were yours Okay, well, I still had time uh, to go ahead and dabble <laughs> with my share of games. Uh, also, PC gaming, which is going to be, uh, for me, a little bit relied on. Plus, Nintendo 64. For me, that was that was the majority of what I uh, played in the 1990s. I did mix in some arcades when I could. But, again, my my time was not as, as uh, free in that period as it was in the 80s, per se. But, right. I'll, I'll, again... Not going in any particular order, and I do want to give a special mention to uh, the fighting genre, which yes, uh, I know Street Fighter came onto the scene in the late '80s, uh, but it really took hold with Street Fighter II. I yes. think the creativity and the character customization, the, the 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 as far as from the publisher standpoint and what they did to their characters to make them more attractive and appealing, and the fighting styles and more fun and more interesting really honed itself in street fighter 2 especially when yep. it hit consoles and for me that was probably a, a really fun thing to go ahead and experience plus it, it just just the different versions street fighter 2 turbo world championship edition you know they they started to go ahead and really expand upon that with different things that they threw out there so i really like that fact but also the rise of mortal Kombat. we saw the yes. debut and rise of mortal Kombat yes. in in arcades and then obviously on consoles and the and the way it was so over top and graphic and the kind of controversy that initially created as far as people were horrified at the, the fatalities and, and to see what <laughs> but they did, you know, they just didn't see the, the actual fighting game itself and how mechanically well made Ed Boon had created it. So I really want to go ahead and give a shout out, especially coming off the heels this past weekend of the Evo fighting uh, World fighting championships, which I mentioned earlier here in Las Vegas. I mean, the Evo World Fighting Championships would not be in existence without the rise of Street Fighter II and Mortal Kombat. Those two are so key and integral to the success of the fighting game genre going forward in the decades after those two games first appeared onto the marketplace. So I got to give those two a big shout out. Uh, but for me as well, besides dabbling in those two fighting games, which I, uh, you know, had mixed success to say the least <laughs> in those games, I'd probably say for me a fun game that I always like with a game with attitude 
uh, you know, I still was really getting into the first person shooters at that point in time. Duke Nukem. Uh, yep, yep, so for yep. me, Duke Nukem had a lot of attitude and I enjoyed playing it. Uh, I did not play it from a competitive standpoint or, or from a, you know, as far as a multiplayer standpoint, but I did play it, you know, I go through the storyline and go through the, just the sheer craziness of what Duke Nukem could go through. Yes, it is unabashedly 90s. It is not PC <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it is king, something. Baby. Yes, hail to the king indeed. Uh, so I do really think that that Duke Nukem was a great experience. Could Duke Nukem be a success now? Uh, I know they've tried to reformulate it out on a, a almost like a smaller console type basis. Uh, you know, as far as retro consoles, they've tried to introduce that with Duke Nukem out here in recent years. But again, I'm not sure if it would actually succeed on, on a great basis if it was introduced today. But Duke Nukem, for what it was in the 90s, I really enjoyed. Super Mario Kart was really fun. You know, you could go ahead, you know, gather the family around and everybody could feel like they could be competitive, uh, whether or not you were experienced or not. It, it doesn't matter if you knew the track or not. Uh, that you were playing on if you, all it took was one shell hitting you <laughs> from size somebody in front a well-timed place shell or something of that nature or a star you know or some power up that would get you going that would that could make all the difference so yeah, anybody could feel like they were competitive in super mario kart so i truly enjoyed that experience but again for for me first person shooters were something that i i'd always taken a liking to and that's really where it developed was in the 90s so golden eye 007 yeah, yes. that's absolutely yes. from not from it's just a story standpoint that i played <laughs> through and i thought it was just a truly great experience there from a single story but obviously it's revolutionary multiplayer uh yeah something that i think is something that should never be uh underestimated because again yes. it's one of the great console multiplayer experiences of the 1990s to say the least but we can't go through in the 1990s as far as from a fun factor, which you mentioned with The Simpsons, but uh, TMNT also yep. as well. But and the NBA Jam for me yep. it was just truly an experience. I enjoyed playing the the characters, the power ups that they could do, the super jumps, the the way that they they accentuated if you got on hot streaks with the yes. ball on fire and of course boom shakalaka there it is <laughs> yes, yes. To, to experience that to reminisce on those times when you were uh, you know a young man or even a, a kid a teenager what have you during those period of times when the video game boom was just starting to go ahead yeah. and get itself together from pong to atari to then super famicom nes N64, Sega Genesis, arcades, that whole nine yards. Just that experience that I feel truly blessed that I got a chance to do so. Hey, man, I'm right there with you, brother. Well, my friend, it's been a great conversation. See, despite strikes all over the place, my friend, we can still find ways to go oh, ahead yeah. and entertain the masses <laughs> for an hour. So I truly appreciate it. Just glad to have you on. Looking forward to bringing you back soon, my friend, because you know what? There's still always something to talk about here in pop culture. So for TJ Johnson, it's Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much again for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. We'll see you on Monday with more great conversations right here in the pop culture. Cosmos.